This week on Kettle of Fish, writer and actor Willie Roberts stops by to talk about clean ears and oatmeal cookies. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the fun no politics laughter show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, and models about life, love, and the creative process. And I'm lying. We're probably going to talk a lot about politics today. <laughs> I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Cat Stores, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my egg hiding, chocolate rabbit biting, bunny trail riding producer, the marshmallow sugar corn syrup gelatin to my Easter Day peep. Need a producer. You know, I actually wait for the days after Easter because I absolutely love peeps. And I have my eye this year on some big giant stuffed peeps. They're like rainbow colored and they're like $25 a piece, which I'm not paying. So last year I got some really cute peeps socks and little plushies for like, I don't know, five cents or some crap like that. Uh, so this year I'm... I'm patiently waiting my rainbow-colored peep bunnies because I want them. I want them bad. The country is so toxic right now, I'm not even allowed to have fun memories anymore. My <laughs> peep memory is from a Christmas party. I think it was 98. It was at Mary Anna's house, I want to say. And Paco and Chris Godfrey had a peep-eating contest. And Paco won. He had like 16 peeps in his mouth at one time. But now that memory's tainted because my last interaction with Paco was like, you're a libtard who hates America and you're a failure in life and all this stuff because you had posted something about Kim Davis and he went absolutely insane. And that was years ago. So, yeah, um, I I need to get into a happier headspace. Thanks for that. So let's get – (laughs) yes. Maybe I should have put my old Partridge Family shirt on. All right, so let's get um, our co-host in here, a girl who hides beers in her yard on St. Patty's Day so she can go search them out Easter morning. Fern, a moist-voiced heart. That is not the only place I hide them, just to be clear. (laughs) And, you know, I was No, you guys... I was going to start the intro, because I write these different intros every week, by saying a girl who never gets my dander up, but I wanted to keep it Easter-themed. Since that was such a uh, you know, like, tickle moment for you. What's ridiculous is, yes, that, that tickled me to no end. And that's another saying, by the way, which is absolutely adorable coming out of your mouth is a tickle moment. Because I'm just so used to you being like in your face, like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe what happened today. Or I saw this today that when you use phrases like gets my dander up or that tickles me, it's like. Aw, there is a little there is a little peep inside Nick that's soft and squishy and sweet somewhere. It's right there, you it's know. It's, it's, it's right there, but almost. But I'm gonna robot raging against the political machine. Look, you guys have been pro peep, and I have to represent the anti peep side of things because you're talking about peeps. And I am just like literally wanting to throw up in my mouth. I'm like, oh, I hate those things so much. And the thought of a huge $25 peep, 
Like, that has got to be the epitome of a Willy Wonka acid trip. Well, I mean, it's not, right like, it's not edible. Like, it's a big stuffed animal peep. So, you know, but I would eat a giant peep for sure. Like, no problem. Chocolate-covered marshmallows. No, I you know don't what? like peeps. Freaking marshmallow marshmallows. I don't even care. S'mores are, like, my favorite thing in the summer. Peeps are my favorite thing in springtime, dude. There's something about marshmallows. Marshmallows actually makes me sick. I hate oh, marshmallows. I love them. Some people are afraid of clowns, like have nightmares about clowns. Uh, like uh, even a half life-size peep, I would not be able to sleep for years. Like if that was in my room, I would be like, that would be like Pennywise to me. You <laughs> oh know? My oh my God, no. I, I would have to wait like another six years for Easter to fall on April Fool's Day. with Like armed with this new information of what I'm going to be sending you <laughs> for Easter. And up, and up truck full of peeps. Yes. <laughs> You're just going to wake up in a room of giant peeps looking at you. I might decapitate a peep and put in like a giant peep and put the peep head in your bed. <laughs> so you can wake you know up what, though? If you do that, if you do that, I'm going to save them all for summer and I'm going to fill a kiddie pool full of peeps and just let Danielle swim in them. <laughs> wow. You really turned that into a positive. I went all dark with the Godfather peep head reference. Wow. Way to bring out the rainbow. That's what I do. Yes. Way what to I do. I'll be here for the next hour. My dander. Thank you for de-escalating my dander. <laughs> Which, down, by the way, down. this morning is at threat level purple. Oh my God. I don't even know what that means. You, you, no you one does. Us, it's like when Obama came out and saluted with um, a coffee in his hand and people were flipping out. And I was like, oh my God, threat level mocha. This is the fucking end of the world. Let's go to a fucking state of emergency because people flipping out. And I called um, Fern this morning and I was like, have a seat. Compose yourself because my dander is really up. And Fern act as my political plunger this morning. Like plunging all the political seepage out of me. That, I, I tried to roto-root that out, but purple is my favorite color. So when you say your dander's at threat level purple, that is really <laughs> not that threatening to me because I love purple. I think purple yeah. is like under orange, which is under red. I think it's the the third most like scariest of all the threat levels. I don't know. I Y'all are getting weird on me here. That's just... It's been a weird morning. <laughs> Look, how can I not be weird? When I wake up one day, it's 42 degrees and raining. Then I wake up the next day, it's fucking 72 and sunny. Then I wake up the next day, and it's snowing. How, like, no wonder I'm manic and all over the place. Look at the fucking weather here. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Climate change doesn't exist. Oh, yeah, that's the good news. I mean, could you imagine if there was such thing as climate change, how crazy shit would be? Good thing this is We would all be walking around at threat level purple. Mm -hmm. Yes, all our danders. We would be a nation of elevated dander. I'm just going to start calling myself a danderhead. Oh my goodness. I just got a visual on that and it really wasn't that bad. All I can all I can picture is like from the book of where the wild things are and everybody walking around like wild thing monsters that are just all purple and fuzzy with their dander up. And honestly, that's a lot less scary than some of the shit that's out there right now. I've evolved. I am no longer a tuna fish lib- like a tuna fish sandwich liberal with extra lip, lib tartar sauce. I am now a danderhead. I have moved on to become a danderhead. That's just it's, dandy. Yes, it is dandy. All right, D, I'm sure is getting pretty pissed off sitting back here listening <laughs> to us ramble. Um, <laughs> tell us what's coming up on future episodes where my dander may not be up. Yeah, I'm giving you the virtual crazy-ass stink eye, like all the pieces. Um, of course, tomorrow being Easter, we will not be airing anything at all. 
and no fooling, really. Um, but Wednesday, we will have Musical Osmosis with Charlie Harper from UK Subs. Uh, then we will be off for just a little bit. But the 15th of this month, we are going to be uh, having Cattle of Fish with Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Xander. That's right. Nicholas Brendan is going to come talk to us. And it's going to be awesome. And he's such a sweetheart. I'm, I'm Now, curious. he is someone who de-escalates my... Um, Dander. When he I met is. him, he was like the sweetest dude on the fucking planet. He was. He was so super nice. Um, I'm curious to see to hear from him what he's been up to. So that's going to be great. Uh, then on the 22nd on Funny Thing, we are going to have comedian De- Derek Sheehan. And then on Cattle of Fish, we are going to have Ms. Hannah Hogan. And it's just going to be a good time had by all. And then, then y'all, you're just going to have to keep an eye on our Facebook and on tincan.media. That is not .com. That is tincan.media. And also our new CastBox channel. Um, because we will no longer be going live. We're just going to kind of be random. And we could have a show a day, two shows a day, five shows a day. Well, at least day. for the summer. Yes. And we'll still be doing periodic um, musical osmosis and kettle of fish, but yes. we travel so much in the summer, starting with Rachel and um, Hamilton's wedding in May, nice. that we're just going to kind of do like the summer fun thing last year mm. and just do impromptu shows and invite our friends and, you know, other guests that we've had on the show and just talk about whatever. And I've been finding weird articles and sticking them in a folder, and I have so much crazy shit to talk about oh, this great. summer. Yes. So. No, it's fun stuff. Like, did you know <laughs> Dis- Did you know that Disney World has gangs? Yeah. And that one gang is suing the other gang. One like it's like the um, Firehouse One Hundred and One gang against like the Jiminy Cricket gang, and one gang suing the other for being like um, aggressive and threatening right. them and shit like that. Like that's crazy oh to me. So yeah, I've got a bunch of stories. Yeah, save like that, that up for, for real. Uh, yeah, but so definitely, if you are on CastBox, just look us up either under Tin Can Media or Kettle of Fish under Channels, and you will find all of our stuff there. And subscribe, and you won't miss anything. Um, and we will soon also be throwing that out to pretty much every other aggregator possible. So wherever you like to normally listen to podcasts and everything else, uh, subscribe, 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 subscribe. Blech. Yeah, I can't say that three times fast. Uh, but you don't want to miss if anything. If you do, Be- Beetlejuice might appear. That's right. That's right. Or a guy with a clipboard. Yes. Ask you to sign up or for a newsletter. Oh, uh, you just went dark again. Now I'm in a bad mood again. Thanks, Fern. Mm-hmm. Hey, I switched. I switched everything around positive. I get to. I get to balance that out once in a while. You're like a big crazy magnet. Yes, I'm your bipolar host. <laughs> yes, Co-host. you are. Alright, well, I am happy for today's guest because today's guest brings the happy. So maybe he can de-escalate me from um dander level purple to like dander level what's before purple on their chart? Green? Magenta. Would it be magenta? Fuchsia? Dander level fuchsia? Let's go with that. Uh-huh. Chartreuse. Alright, let's go with that. Let's get Willie in here. Willie Roberts, what's up? Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm sorry I was such a manic headspace today. Um, the politics, man, it's just been poisoning me lately. I know. It's weird because uh, it's easy t- it's easy to let things take over because they do matter, you know? It's as crazy as everything sounds. The little things that uh, – the, the, the future that you want uh, when that's in jeopardy can make you upset. 
you know, and it's funny you bring up future because I was listening to your podcast. Real, what is it? Real sci-fi? I don't uh, have real, it up here. Real life sci-fi with real Wayne life Wayne. sci-fi. Yeah, and it's somebody who that you know that kind of um, focuses on paranormal and conspiracy, but as somebody who also loves sci-fi, where do you see us going? Are we headed towards? like a apocalyptic Mad Max future or a dystopian Hunger Games or just straight up idiocracy? Because I know we're not headed to Star Trek future at this point. I know. I mean, I mean, I like I personally need to make steps to 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 make this future better. Not that it's up to me or that I can make it great. But w- because of money, money is what's going to doom us because corporations are treated like citizens, They, you know, and corporations are always going to win. And when you, the control of money has taken away everything and, and has made the, the, well, I can only speak for America, but the American dream is now just to acquire money. It doesn't matter how. Doesn't greed matter is who, good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's nobody telling anybody that greed is bad in any situation. I know that, uh, Martin, what's his name? Scalary, whatever the, I don't know how, the guy who jacked up the prices of the, Oh, yeah. Scarelli. Yeah. Like, like, yep. okay, there's one situation where somebody was greedy and uh, kind of slapped his hand on the wrist. But for us bailing out banks and bailing out there and just letting corporations run and rule, uh, there's nothing that tells. And, you know, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, not that that show did anything, but that really set the tone, I think, for the American dream. And, and greed is the dream. And, and so until we get over that. We are so doomed, but I'm, but I'm also very hopeful in that. I don't know if you are familiar with like indigo children or, or I don't know. There's a lot of things that are, that are turning. Like I think the 20, I'm sorry to ramble. I'm just trying to get this out. Please ramble. (laughs) The, uh, you know, all this 2012 stuff, all the Mayan calendars, all this stuff, the procession of the equinox, whatever you think any of that is, I think it's a new beginning and that we are turning at, we are in the dark ages of, 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 uh, consciousness and we are turning that corner and we are starting to think and have empathy for all humans, but it just sucks that we had to see so many people get hurt and still happening for us to say, Hey, uh, we should, we should take care of everyone. You know, it's not me against you. Well, it's weird too. When people are the last ones to jump on board, like I always think about that last guy on the battlefield dying in the civil war. And like, he just, the dude who took the very last bullet and as he's dying, like his commander walks up and goes, "Up, oh, civil war's over. Sucks he had to die for that." Oh, like man. if they would just get on board, like the last states that were fighting gay marriage, same-sex marriage. I was like, "But you know, you're on the wrong side of history. So why are you fighting it? Why are you the <coughs> last guy on the civil war battlefield taking that bullet?" Yeah, you know what's weird? I, I've been watching all this stuff because you know, I just had a, I just had a kid, and I, I've always been conscious of of children, the children of the future. And I say that because we need to, the mentality needs to change. It's easy, it's easy to say what's wrong with everything, but at a cer- on a certain level, our education system is based on teaching people tangible things. And so those, those quote unquote facts are things that we don't need to learn anymore because we have information everywhere. And so we don't need to learn dates. I know, I know it's still important. But we need to learn more how to deal with people and how, you know, everyone's shouting, but no one's listening. And I, I no matter what anybody's problems are, it's like, are when you say what's wrong with something, are you listening to to the other side? Like, I, nobody's listening anymore, it seems. 
Well, the problem is, and I'm going to kick this over here to Fern, because when you talk education, you're in her wheelhouse. But I think the problem is, is, and I was just, this is what set me off today, is a false equivalency. If I have a fact, if I go, hey, here's a fact, um, this administration has already had 27 indictments, the Obama administration eight years had zero. And I'm just asking you to compare the two and asking you if you like the chaos Take politics out of it, just logistics. Do you like uh-huh. the chaos of the White House? And they're like, fake news, fake news. Obama had 600 arrests. Like, I don't know where to go in that conversation because we're literally have different definitions for words and we're literally yeah. living in different realities. I can't yeah. convince someone the world's not flat. I just can't do it. There's no way for me to do it. Well, and my point was that you can't logic the illogical. And, you know, I, I use this example. Um, you know, this guy I was dating, um, he told me that his ex-girlfriend used the word altruism in a sentence. And what she said was, I'm telling you the truth. I always tell the truth. I'm altruistic. And that's not what that word means. It's like <laughs> the Princess Bride. I don't think that means what you think it means. So what what happens is that these false equivalencies, you're trying to logic the illogical. What one person thinks is truth and what another person knows is truth you can't have a conversation with those people and that's where the breakdown happens. And when you talk about, you know, and, and I'm going to kind of spin back to this because you made a very interesting point about greed, but greed is not just monetary greed. It is also, um, you know, moral greed or intellectual greed or the fear of being wrong. And I know I've touched on this on other podcasts before, but everybody wants to be right and they want to do it for themselves and they would rather hold on to that feeling of being right rather than educate themselves and look at the world as it is big picture around them versus the, you know, cognitive dissonance or the willful ignorance that they have in their lives to ignore fact just to align with their belief. And it comes down to a a personal greed, not just on a monetary level, but on a belief level and an intellectual level. And those people you can't, you can't relate to that you're you're better to invest your energy into where you can affect change versus where you can't because beating your head against a brick wall is not going to happen Fern, maybe this girl not. said altruistic meaning she had an alternate reality or alternate <laughs> definition for the word so you have to listen she said well, altruistic once you put the this is also the same there, girl who put goes. She put yellow food coloring in chicken noodle soup because that's where it gets its color. And um, that's not how that works as a cook. I know that. So uh, there are certain things. I'm sure she's brilliant in other arenas. I don't want to judge somebody because I don't know them. But when you use words like that, like, let's let's know what they mean and let's know the proper definitions of them. But the definition of a liberal to some of these extremists on the right, and I don't want to pigeonhole every conservative into this camp. But these extremists look at liberal, as we discussed this morning, Nick, as somebody who just doesn't agree with Trump or doesn't agree with them. That's a liberal to them. Whereas we have a different definition of that. We look at it as a more liberal mindset, more of the democratic mindset, not you just somebody who disagrees with Trump. When they're calling Jeff Flake, the leader of the Tea Party, liberal. And he's a secret operative. But back to what Willie was saying, there is a group fighting against greed who comes out and says greed is wrong. And they're called socialists who want to destroy America, the Bernie Sanders people 
which I was a big Bernie supporter, and Bernie did come out and does rail against these corporations, yeah, and they have yeah. people screaming socialism in their face. That's why I, he he's the you know I was so I was so happy that he was a candidate because I was like here's someone that I actually feel like is trying to help people, and the difference is you know what I know a lot of quiet Republicans that they're not yelling at everyone. You know I'm not saying, but I'm saying though that a lot of the quiet Republicans just have a small business, and no matter what Trump is, he will support them their small business better you know and and it's weird that we've gotten into we're not on the same level for anything you know you could get into a political argument and then all of a sudden it derails into a religious argument and so it's like everyone it's all beliefs but it's all everyone's different beliefs and Mm -hmm. we're, we're not on the same level anymore and so you can't even have a conversation because a definition will come in that'll set the whole thing ablaze you know like yeah i agree how do you when someone sees fake news it's all of a sudden you're like well even if I could talk to you, you're not going to listen to me. So we can't even talk. Well, we're going to talk. I'm, I'm definitely going to get to fun stuff here in a second with you <laughs> because one of the things I admire about you is how fun you are. And I actually go, and I've said this a million times, there's people like you and Matt Geiler and on Nicole's page I go to after digging into the political stuff to kind of calm my nerves and just kind of look at the fun stuff and the people putting out the positive. So we're going to talk about Roseanne here in a, in a couple minutes. But this false equivalency that both sides are equally as toxic, equally as hateful, equally as insane. And I'm always like, cool, who's the left wing Alex Jones? Can you give me that example? Cool. <laughs> what's some left what's some liberal conspiracy theories like Pizzagate and Newtown was faked and all this? And they can never answer the question. You know, wow. I went on that Roseanne thread, and liberals were upset about the new Roseanne show. They were saying that it was far-right propaganda, and they weren't going to watch it, and they were basically like, oh, well, Roseanne's trash. I'm not watching this. And then wow. the right yeah. wing had a similar argument about American Horror Story. They thought it was liberal propaganda. The difference is when you go on that thread, they're like, we're going to kill liberals. They're going to die to a hail of bullets. We've got our guns, and they're going to burn in hell. The, the difference when looking at these two threads side by side who have a similar complaint, this shows right-wing propaganda, this shows left-wing propaganda, is the right is like all hate, violence, conspiracies. All they're, they're, the American Horror Story is bought out by George Soros and they're running a deep state. It drives me insane that people can't see those are two different things. I know. And, and when I when me listening to you say that makes me go, oh, they're just more scared. Oh, that's a good point. Huh, huh Fern? That's a great point Willie just made. Uh, absolutely because you always knew you always know when you win an argument especially with somebody on the other side of the political fence now i tend to be conservative on some issues few but some and liberal on a lot more but i always know when i win an argument when the argument uh just goes downhill and it's nothing but insults that's when they have realized I'm beating them with intellect, I'm beating them with logic, I'm beating them with facts, and the only thing they have to do is to lash out and say, well, you're a poopy head. So that's, that's honestly when you know you've won an yeah, argument. The they, poopy there's head, there's uh, nothing else behind it. The poopy head offensive is a hard one to overcome. <laughs> because now you've just sailed into a totally like no logic and fact-based arguments at all. All right, let's switch yep. to stuff. Because like I was saying, Willie, I really admire – well, there's a couple things I admire. I admire, of course, your vibe, how you're always putting fun stuff up. I defy anybody to watch um, any of your videos, particularly the Googie videos, and not smile. And another thing is 
is you're about fun and creativity and you put that above the typical like nine to five, two point five kids, like great American dream bullshit we were all sold as a kid. And I was looking over your IMDB, you've got this huge career, 108 movie credits, a bunch of stuff in art development, writing, directing credits. And I feel like as somebody like you're very successful in a creative world, but I know that world and I know that you, like many others, still struggle just financially, security-wise. And I feel like people would look at your IMDb and go, man, Willie's living in a mansion and partying with porn stars and taking fucking money baths. And it's not that way at all. You are struggling and sacrificing even 20 years in to be able to have this privilege to just put out creative, artistic um, content like this. Yeah, you know, it, I, I, I'm, I was recently... I'm going to start a documentary, I think, I think about myself and uh, only because uh, of that same sentiment where it's like, I feel like I've had a career already, you know, right. and at, at, you know, at Channel 101, which is a, a do it yourself uh, monthly comedy festival that has really taught me everything. Uh, Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub created it. Um, um, I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I won the Lifetime Achievement Award there. And I was, I felt so good about that. I know the award show, our award show started out as a joke, you know, and. But it, but it, it just made me go like, oh, I've had a career and I can't even get a job <laughs> doing what I want to do. Uh, yeah, that's so. got to be frustrating. And then on top of it, like I said, I have a friend who's in a fairly, um, I would say fairly famous metal band. I mean, he had videos on MTV and stuff. And while he was putting those videos out and touring the world, he was living at his mom's and selling his guitars on eBay. Yeah. And he's like, everybody, like, I, I'll run into someone at a club who recognizes me, and they think I'm up, like, in the hills in some big mansion partying all the time, and I'm struggling just like the, a bricklayer is struggling. I don't think people understand that. Yeah, and, and you know, we definitely don't value creativity. We value um, entertainment. And and it, the, the entertainment doesn't have to be good, <laughs> yeah. but um, um, I, you know it it really is just a perspective thing because, and you know I feel like uh, I kind of feel like I even the perspective of my childhood I felt like I had a bad childhood and so I've always wanted to maintain being a kid and having you know playing stupid and and uh, stupid I mean silly just like proving that that i'm just having a good time you know what i mean like like uh uh when i when i i'm from a small town i'm from loveland colorado when i moved to la it was hard because everyone looks at you everywhere you go when you walk in anywhere and and it put me on the defensive offensive and it just made me go oh you know what i used to do when someone would look at me i would smile at them like a puppy rolling over and being like hey i'm not gonna hurt you you know oh expose your belly yeah and like if you if you smile at someone even if they've got the stinkiest face on uh, whether they respond to it or not mentally, it affected them in a positive way, I think. And that, that sounds so dumb to just smile at everyone, but, but, uh, you know, well, Mary I, Latham was saying that last episode, right? Fern, she's yeah. like, Hey, just smile. Just the simplest thing. I asked her, she has this campaign more good dot today and where she travels around and finds good stories. And I was like, what can the listeners at home do? And she's like, it's as simple as just smiling at someone. When people are looking at you, they don't know what their face is doing. And everyone looks at everyone because we we grew up watching everything. We're watching TV. So when I look at people, I actually stare at people because I'm trying to figure out their life in, in the brief seconds that I see them, you know, not judge, but I'm just like, oh, what? It's like I'm trying to see the, the TV show of their life for a second. So I end up staring at everyone. And if you don't smile, then you're just a creep staring at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Or sometimes when you do smile, you're just a creep staring at everyone. <laughs> yeah. Depending yeah. on what your smile looks like. <laughs> yeah, but people underestimate that. I mean, they underestimate when they make eye contact with somebody, you know, your average person, even before, I mean, I've been a pretty outgoing personality in general. Granted, a little more so when I've had a few beers on board, I will talk to anybody about anything just about any time. But, you know, just walking into a grocery store or a 7-Eleven, when you make eye contact, a lot of people will look away instead of smiling at you. And that can be the main thing that just makes somebody day. I, I remember being in a grocery store on my lunch break when I was still working as an optician and, and, and managing an optical practice. And I decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and grab a sandwich. I'm going to grab a Chobani for lunch. And I went over to the yogurt section and there was a dude there. He was standing there with his basket in his hands and he was just, he was, he was looking at the wall of yogurt. Like this was going to decide where his life was going to go based on what flavor he chose. <laughs> and he looked over at me and I looked over at him and I smiled and I said, try the pomegranate. You will not be sorry. It's a delicious flavor. This is really, really good. And he's like, oh, my God, thank you, because I didn't know. I've never had this before. I have no idea. And he smiled. We had a quick two-minute conversation or less, and he went on his day. But just being friendly to somebody and being open and opening yourself up to happy experiences, I mean, it made me feel good to meet somebody. It made him feel good to meet somebody. Those small things really make a big difference in people's lives. Yeah, you know why I like Canada so much? Because um, Canada, I think, is what America was supposed to be. You know, the, when you think back to the, the glory, you know, the, the, the fabulous 50s yeah. and and what Canada turned into that because they feel like they're a part of the same community. They they When you meet them, they're all happy to talk about everything. They're happy to talk to their neighbors. There's this funny uh, road Canadian road rage video where this guy kind of hits this motorcycle he, they both get out, he gets out of his car and he's like, I'm sorry, man. Are you okay? And it's just funny. Cause it's like, but, uh, uh I just think that, I mean, here, here's something that I grew up with and I, I, I grew up, uh, going, uh, a Christian going to Baptist schools and, or I mean, church, uh, in, you know, small town Colorado. And I, I had it in my head that, uh, well, if I'm going to meet everyone in heaven, why don't I meet everyone here? So when I get there, it's like, we're already friends. And though I've, I've you know, I don't have my religious beliefs anymore. I'm more spiritual. I do believe in an afterlife. And in the same vein, it's like, uh, I want to know you here so that I recognize you later. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, yeah. I'm a person who grew up with a very positive attitude and I still believe people are inherently good. Although Zuckerberg's little Facebook machine is slowly eroding that away. But I, I feel like that that's everybody's default, that unless you're a complete sociopath, you want good in the world. Like Dalai Lama said, everyone wants to maximize happiness and minimize pain. What is the blockade? Because I, sometimes I talk to people, like the people that are lashing out at these kids who survived this mass shooting and spreading fake pictures of them and propaganda. Sometimes I'm just taken aback when I talk to people. I go, I don't understand. There's no way you can really believe that. Or there's no way... You could be like, screw those Tide Pod ED morons. Like, there's no way in your hearts of heart you could be angry at kids who survived a mass shooting. But I, but yet you talk to them online and it's almost like you almost feel like they are. But I have a hard time believing they actually believe the stuff they say. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, you know, my show, we cover a lot of conspiracy theories. And so I, you know, I've always jumped into those just 
looking for information and it's what, what's weird is um, anonymous information, I think just corrupts your mind. Um, I, I think that uh, it's easy to not connect to people anymore. Listen, I, I think, I think it comes down to two things, education and creativity. Uh, you, you have to, we, we all stopped learning when, when school stopped and that, that's a, that's a shame. You know, I know that, yeah, now, now we have, you know, the internet at our fingertips and all of the, the information of the world, but we stopped learning. And so well, now I actually am learning more now. I'm more educated now. Oh yeah. Yeah. School. Me too. And I'm just making broad strokes on a population that, that isn't right. Isn't creatively inspired and isn't, uh, isn't doing anything except trying to make their money. <laughs> Yeah, and um, Fern, we've gotten to a place now, and I know as a mom who was your mom a teacher or just worked in a school. She's a substitute teacher now. She actually went back to college um, when she hit forty or a little after she hit forty, and she's a substitute teacher now. Okay, and I know um, as somebody who comes from an education-based family, education in some circles is now seen as a liberal plot, and that's a very dangerous time. Just like the Dickey. Wow, movie. yeah. Where they say, we don't want anybody to study the effects of gun violence. I'm always skeptical of a rule that says we want less information. That, <laughs> you know what I'm I, saying? That always makes you know, me skeptical off the bat. And, and this is one thing that I did pick up in digging into all things Willie. Um, I did listen to a podcast that you were on on Nerdist. And you talked about education. And you talked about how you can't teach anything. That you're teaching memory. And it's interesting that you say that because Nick and I were having a conversation about a week or two ago, and I was telling him how what bullshit multiple choice was. I was like, "This is this is um, basically. Do you remember what the answer is if I show it to you?" Yeah, I'm a big proponent of essay, short essay, or fill in the blank, or a combination of the three. But you have to be able to retain the information. But also, there used to be a class that you could take. Now, this is before my time. This is long before my time, but it was called Use of Resources. And basically, you were given items, and you were told, hey, make this, and you had to use these resources and figure it out for yourself and kind of work it into, how am I going to make this work? And this, this causes the brain to not just recall memory, but use what you have in front of you to your advantage and I mean that in a good way, to make it a positive thing. And I think that's what's missing right now is that kids are tested because schools want money, because they want those scores, and teachers Back take the, the lazy degree. way out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and it's a terrible thing. But the interesting thing is, because we were talking about conspiracy just before that, is that I did learn something about myself listening to your podcast. I learned that I am conspiracy-based, but I'm only conspiracy-based with things that I don't know or don't see. I believe more in aliens, I believe more in ghosts, than I do that the moon landing was fake or the JFK assassination was a big plot. But I don't consider and, uh, listening to this, and I'm like, conspiracy, though. You always say, like, I think <laughs> uh, aliens have visited the Earth and Egypt. I don't consider that conspiracy. I just consider that a paranormal theory. Well, it drops into conspiracy. Well, they're all things, they're all things you don't know. So, like, you're, I, I think the political and the that type of aspect I am more skeptical of than I am the 
paranormal aspect. I think that's where that was. Well, you know, and I also tell people too, when people flip out, when people flip out over like an opinion about anything, a political, and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you believe this, blah, blah, blah. I can't, like, I can't believe you're pro choice. And they flip out. I go, I don't understand. Would you be freaking out on me like this if I believed in Bigfoot? Like, why are you so invested in what I feel? Yeah. I think yeah. like, I don't understand. I could believe in Bigfoot, and you're not going to be like, how dare you believe in a Loch Ness monster? I'm going to kill you. So, why do you care what my opinion is on transgender bathrooms so much? It doesn't affect you. Yeah. I, it, 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 that's the fear thing again. It's got to be the fear. You know, I worked on, um, um, I, I always like to, talk, I, never, I don't talk about this enough, but I worked on uh, Transparent. And um, Oh, right on. That's a great show. Yeah, the, the, the creator, Jill Soloway, you know, every day she would start the day, and this is wasting company money and time, but we'd all gather in a circle, and then, and then people would share stories with the theme of gratitude. And there'd be two people that did that every day, and they would tag someone, and the next day two new people would share their story. And it was the greatest thing because we would all start learning something personal about someone, and it just made us the biggest family and we learned so much about each other. And then, and then the rest of the day was easy, no matter how hard it was because we were all on the same team. We all were very happy and thankful. It was just a a, a great way to start anything. And I I think uh, things in that direction, things that treat us like humans instead of numbers is what's going to take us out of this. You know, if you're working during a sunrise or a sunset, you should be able to go watch it. Um, it, it. Just take the time, you know, things to make you appreciate our place in the universe. How about your birthday? You get your birthday off paid no matter what. It's the one thing that everybody in the world celebrates. So don't even quite just just have a day. I don't know. I mean, the little And this right here is why I admire you because you're always putting good out there. And mm-hmm. I want to shift gears and talk about some good stuff. The way that I found out about you is somebody on Facebook had posted a Googie video. And I went and checked that out. And that's probably what you're most well known for. I, assuming when I first saw it, thought it was kind of brand new. I thought this was something that had just been created. But then once I was researching, it had been around six or seven years. Um, what was the inception of that character? I know we're really shifting gears here, but I want to talk oh, about yeah. Googie because I love it so much. But what was the inception of the character? And are you surprised how long-lasting it's been? Because it's just coming across my feed recently as if it was something new. Yeah, because uh, I still feel like nobody's seen it. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I took a, an acting class and, and the acting class was to teach you what your, your, your arc was, whatever, like uh, in, in the Joseph Campbell way of storytelling, everyone has their own specific, uh, a theme that they, you know, if a society is, is evolving, then each person in the society has a part to show everyone else to learn from. And so I, I went through this class. So he, the guy tries to find your myth in your real life so that you can apply that to whatever you make. So like for his examples were like, you know, Keanu Reeves, his myth would be luck. Anytime he plays a character ah. that is very lucky or very unlucky, you're going to, you're going to buy him playing that part more because that's who he is in life. Um, and so it's this weird categorizing, you know, not, he doesn't deal with it much more, you know? So mine was hope and, and it just freaked me out because my whole life I've been very hopeful and hopeless in the same sentence. You know, you hear me, the, you, I can be both hopeful and hopeless because that is the myth that I am showing the society 
that they can learn from me, both sides of it, you know? And so I, I took that class and took the idea of hope and, and wanted to make something because of the, that myth. And, and that's where Googie came from. You know, it was very inspired by Rob's shop. So Twigger's Holiday, Pete and Pete and uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse and me and, and Mike Manischewitz, we created this, we came up with this together and it took a long time because we had the broad strokes and we're trying to figure out what this is and what it should be. And the show is not for kids. It's very nostalgic. Uh, but kids love it. It's crazy. It's so much so that we were able to get an agent and a manager in the writing realm and we started pitching shows around. But nobody would take our Googie as a show because in America you can't have a kid show where the lead is an adult. Unless you have your own money, your own network, whatever. Gotcha. No, nobody's going to listen to that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That sucks. And uh, so we never got to pitch Googie. And, um, but, but uh, you know, we also in this in in those same broad strokes were like let's make a resume piece let's make something that sh- that proves to everyone that we that we can do this and we want to do this and we should be doing this and um so yeah the character was drawn from my myth of hope and i i just wanted to be and create the most hopeful thing that i could and and i don't know i'm still so proud of it and i i, I am <laughs> anytime someone has kids i'm like oh you you got to watch the show. And it's so weird. Cause I'm not like, I don't want the views. I want your kid to feel hope. <laughs> that is amazing. That man. And like I said, mo- more people should be out there putting out the positive. And I don't think I'm somebody who gender, I try to do the kettle of fishes outside of the political stuff to kind of put out positive today. I'm failing royally, but usually <laughs> try to keep the show somewhat fun. Um, but I'm looking at all these six episodes and the thing that's occurring to me, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm like, man, dude, we're pretty much the same age. I've got a couple years on you and Fern's a couple years younger than you, but this all stems from being a product of Saturday morning cartoons in the eighties and nineties. I see that stamped all over it. Yeah. The show was almost called Saturday mornings with Murray. Got you. Right. And it was, it was also Googie was almost also called balloons. I think Googie works out better. Yeah. You know, it, it was a weird thing because we were like, well, his name has to end in Y. And so it took a while to find the name. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, when, when you have your mind set on something and you're creatively working with someone, things seem to come together easier. And it was special, right? Like I remember Saturday mornings purposely waking up like a kid has no fucking reason to get out of bed before noon now. But when I was little, like I was like, oh, man, I got to get up at 8 a.m. because that's when Captain Caveman comes on. And I knew there was no on demand. There was no Internet. So I wouldn't have a chance to see that episode again until it went into reruns. You didn't have VHS. You didn't have DVDs. You didn't have a computer. Yeah. And it was one chance to watch the magic. (laughs) And that made it special. It made it special because I remember years ago, me and my friends had this big pajama party, breakfast jammy jam, because Channel 20 in D.C., Captain 20, was showing all the old Croft Superstar shows, H.R. Puff and stuff and all that. And we stayed up all night and partaked in the stuff we partaked in and watched this. And this was like, you know, late 90s, mid to late 90s. And I was like, that can never happen today because if I want to watch H.R. Puff and stuff, I just go YouTube it. And yeah. it sucks because we were like, wow, this is nostalgic. I haven't seen HR Puff and stuff in 10, 15 years. But now that can't exist anymore because you can resource anything anytime you want on your phone. And so yeah, that's and taken from us. How, how would you get a group of people together 
now when it's like i don't know i mean like in that in that same vein what would get people to come together there's no not even you know yeah sure something stupid that's live like the super bowl you know or or you know but you know a lot of people still i don't know uh yeah we can it's lost it's lost its magic i remember the last probably big together party i had for a tv event was we had an um a big party for the last episode of seinfeld and i've actually got a picture of like 40 <laughs> people in my living room, all sitting together, transfixed on that last episode. Oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah, it would never happen today. Even if we threw a party for like the last episode of Big Bang, people would be scattered everywhere. They'd be looking at their phones. Ah, fuck it. I'll catch it later on Netflix or something. Like, there's <laughs> nobody would feel any urgency in it because everything is right at our fingertips. And I think we've lost something as a society, Willie. Yeah, I, I do too. But, but on, in the same vein, it's like, you know what? You could throw a party. You know, I remember. I'm glad that I, I've always had a good group of friends. It's always helped me too. But I remember we threw a party for, uh, not to laugh at this, but um, like when, when uh, you know, we like terrible movies. And Rosie O'Donnell, nice. she, she had a movie called Writing the Sister with My Bus. And she played a, a mentally challenged person. And we had a, a big party to watch that <laughs> because we knew it was just a bad idea for her to play that. Was I mean, this it, recently? No, no, this is like 2000. Could you pull that off today, though, is what I'm asking. Uh, and I'm sorry to laugh at that, but uh, the idea of her making that movie, come on. Um, but we still have terrible movie nights, you know, but I'm in a town of uh, people that will do things any night of the week. It's like I feel like half my friends are unemployed half the time. <laughs> ah, well, that makes it easier. Um, let me ask you this then. Um, Googie, it's been a while. I think the last episode I saw you posted – was in 2012. Are there any new Googie episodes on the horizon? Because I think we need stuff like that now more than ever. Well, uh, I, I I don't know what I'm doing these days. I'm, I'm trying because my time's been. I'm trying. I'm still coming up with ideas. Um, I would love to make some more Googies, but I right now I I don't think I could afford to make those. <laughs> Well, you got to start a GoFundMe like everybody else on the planet. Oh, yeah. I always forget that. I, you know, I grew up not asking anybody for anything. I just would feel bad because I would just be asking all my broke friends for another dollar. <laughs> right, right. I know that's now, not how it is, but. We yeah. had um, Ember Knight on a couple weeks ago, and she said the exact same thing. I said, why don't you just crowdsource it? And she's like, I don't want to ask my broke friends for money. They're as broke as I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that. But I do want to let you know, because you, this is one thing that you said was important to you. Um, you know, there's a lot of times when I dig into guests and I start researching and if I find something and I'm like, okay, cool, um, let me show this to my 15-year-old son or my 11-year-old daughter. But today, for you, I was just like, my kids have got to see this. I also have a five and a soon-to-be seven-year-old next month. And I was like, you guys have got to sit down and watch this. And I even pulled my 11-year-old in, and I was like, you have to watch Googie. Um, they loved it, by the way. They um, absolutely loved it. It was hysterical. They were laughing. My 11-year-old was like, oh, my God, this is weird, but this is so funny. You embody the childlike persona as an adult and really connect with that audience. So that is a fantastic plus, And I want to give you mad credit for that because that takes a special person to be able to come outside of that 
societal box and be like, you know what, I'm going to be silly and I'm just going to have fun. And I think that's great. I, I even tell my kids, the ice cream man only plays music when he's out of ice cream. So we can't get ice cream today, you know, and they, they laugh at me because they know it's a joke. Um, but it is fantastic. And I have to tell you, my favorite part of Googie was the, the fortune teller machine when you were trying to find your friend who had been blown away and you were trying to bring him back for the surprise party and having to feed quarters and feed quarters and then feed quarters into the repair machine. I was rolling, dude. I was laughing my ass off. So you're not just entertaining the kids. You're entertaining the adults too. Like it's, it's a fantastic show. It's very well done. And I, I love the fact that you can let go and be silly like that. I'm a big advocate for having a, Big Halloween party once a month, and everybody dress in a costume, bring a potluck, and get together, have a few drinks, and oh, have so some cool. fun. I think everybody needs to do that. You know, I, I thank you for saying that. It, ma- it makes me feel good because I'm like that—that's the point of making it, you know. And um, um, you know, I, 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 we used to have parties a lot in college, and then we started just having dress-up parties. And you know, when you have when you have parties, there's fights, <laughs> but. W- there were ever there were never any fights when we had costume parties because you know Kermit's not going to fight Snuffleupagus, so yeah. so we started having theme parties on purpose to avoid you know it's just it's more fun. <laughs> and then I don't know. Watch, yeah. what, I might want to punch Snuffleupagus. He seems pretty <laughs> snooty. All right, look, um, I want to talk about Roseanne, but I got to touch on this last thing that was yeah. actually my latest obsession. This Channel One Hundred One. It wasn't on my radar until I started kind of getting prepared for the show. And it's I am obsessed with going through here and watching all this content. Oh, dude. You but know, you the, can... Oh, go on. The fucking history of this channel is insane to me. And I read something on there that, like, kind of like the mission statement. We're about three things. How to fail, how to succeed, and how to tell that there's no difference between the two. Or, yeah, between the two <laughs> things. And I'm looking through it, and man, Channel 101 is really something special. And that's why I love these shows, because it always opens doors for me to stuff that I was I would never come across, probably Channel 101, if it wasn't for me doing this podcast. Yeah, uh, uh, you, you should go watch this, Heat Vision and Jack. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. So Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon made this pilot for a TV show. Uh, ben Stiller directed it. Jack Black was in it. Jack Black was an astronaut who got too close to the sun. And it fried his brains. So whenever the sun came out, he was the smartest man alive. But when the sun went away, he was dumb as rocks. Oh, man. It sounds like an amazing concept. Yeah. And Owen Wilson was his unemployed roommate that got turned into his motorcycle. So his talking motorcycle was Owen Wilson. And, and what is this called? Because I have to see this. Heat Vision and Jack. It's online. So these, these guys made the most amazing television pilot you will ever see, in my eyes. And they didn't get anything from it. So they kind of said, well, fuck Hollywood. Let's do something where we're in charge. So they started meeting and making their own little fun film nights uh, once a month. And then that spawned into Channel 101. And and there, there's a branch in New York. And there more, more people have seen their stuff. So their shows have turned into real TV shows. Animals on HBO, Broad City. Uh, there was a show called Fat Guy Stuck in the Internet. That was a Channel 101 show called Gambling. Um I mean, like, and then, you know, uh, the, the, the boo, um, Andy Samberg and those guys, they've made a few things for channel one one Jack Love Black's him. been yeah. a, in a ton of stuff and, and it's all Tim and Eric had an, a show for hot second too. And it's just like creative people found it and it was, 
the whole point of it was not that you made stuff every month, but it, well, A, you had a deadline. And B, the most I ever learned was I made a show that I thought was going to be hilarious. Not one person laughed through the whole thing. It was dead silent. And, you know, something clicks when you watch an audience watch your show. And, it, it, it you know, it helps you with time. Like, that's why the shows are so good, because these are screened live. Um, so if you ever want to go to one-on-one, you should go to a live screening in New York and L.A. I mean, it's such an amazing concept. I was blown away. How did you get involved with those guys? Because I didn't, I had no idea who Harmon was until you had said I should listen to your podcast with him. And then I saw that he created Channel 101. And I was like, oh, well, now all the dots are coming together. I'm connecting all the dots. But how did you get involved with those guys? And how's that experience been over the years working with them? Because it seems like an amazing thing to be involved with. Yeah. Oh, uh, let me throw out this too. Uh, Rick and Morty, uh, Justin and Dan Harmon, their channel 101, uh, and hot streets on adult swim. But, um, the thing was, was, uh, the craziest thing about it is we all worked with and for each other for free. You know, Hey, I'm, it was really about availability. Oh, I'm not an actor, but I'm available. Okay. Come be in this thing. Uh, yacht rock was started there. If you've heard of that. And, um, um, over time, it, the, the strangest thing is, I've, I'm always searching for creative, intelligent, silly, stupid stuff. And I'm friends with people that make the best stuff in the world. And, and it's just so mind blowing because, uh, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have the internet. And so now people have come out here and talked about how they watched channel 101 and that's what brought them to LA. And so it's weird to be a part of somebody's, uh, but it's great. It's great to be a part of somebody's uh, drive to create things. Um, but yeah, it was weird, you know, in all of those things, I never, I never got paid. We, I never got paid for any channel one-on-one stuff, maybe a couple things, but I've been in hundreds of things. And, uh, but so you've been really successful at it though, right? You've had the best show twice and two of your characters has made the top 10 list of all time. Yeah. But, but, uh, it comes in waves. So all of my, everyone that I, that watched me, I think they're all gone now. So this new generation, which is great. That's replenishing itself. But I'm like, I don't, I don't know if, I don't think people are that great at going back and watching everything. Not that they need to, but channel one ones, you know, you could watch it for a year and still not see everything. Yeah. Uh, But, but it is a melting pot of creative people. And, and I will, I'm, I still act almost, almost at least once or twice a month in somebody's stuff for free because it's, you know, somebody was once telling me, Oh, you say yes to everything. You should not do everything. And I'm like, well, I treat everything as a challenge, you know, and if it's, let's say it's something and you know, it's going to be terrible. Well, you can still shine in it and you can still do your best in it. And, you know, try to, how's this for a challenge? Everything sucks. And you have to try to make, make it better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah sometimes the terrible stuff is the best stuff to be involved in yeah because what's so, terrible today might not be terrible five years from now it might be like a cult following or like you know quaint yeah and everybody likes things for different reasons you know like i i don't really pay attention to cinematography because i like the worlds that you create i'm into if you could create a, the dumbest world but if i can believe it if i can you know then holy cow you 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 got me and Fern, I know I sent you um, channel one on 101 because I was like, man, dude, I'm going down. 
I'm going down this rabbit hole, clicking all over this site, and I like being inspired by stuff. Well, it's it, first of all, what they're what Channel One and One Hundred One is doing is. I'm sorry, I'm a little flabbergasted because this this means more to me than just hey, this is a cool place where you can check out new and interesting stuff. Like the concept is amazing. It is hey, let's let the audience dictate what happens instead of the networks dictate what happens. Let's see what resonates with these audiences and what people like because there's always a genre, right? No matter how weird or off the wall or crazy your thought is, there's always somebody that's going to connect with it. It's just how many people are going to connect with it, number one. But the big thing that hit me was there's when you look at the About Us section and the inception of Channel 101, there's there's a bigger picture. Um, part of that was a sentence that really struck me, and it was the amount of ego and sense of entitlement with which you enter is exactly proportional to the amount of pain you will experience before you leave. <laughs> and I think that's important because if people take themselves too seriously um, and measure their success monetarily, then perhaps they're going to be disappointed throughout their entire lives. If you can't pull something other than money out of the art that you do and the fulfillment that you receive, then uh, honestly, you probably will be disappointed. And I think everybody should do what they love. And if you're monetarily successful, that's fantastic. Everybody wants that. But just to do what you love and put good and happiness and art out into the world should be important. And the other thing that hit me, and again, this transcends just entertainment, it, it goes across all areas of life, was every month you sit around and think about what you're going to do is a month you could have done something. And there's so many people who think, well, I should do this. I want to change my life. I want my life to be different. And again, beyond the entertainment field, if you look at it in big picture form, then act. Do something. Get off your ass. Try something. Throw it against the wall. See if it sticks. If it doesn't, Those, then guess what? This is not a yeah. failure. It's a success. You know what doesn't work. So do something else. Those like, are just keep going, man. Points, Fern. And Channel 101 is kind of an allegory for life, like the attitude you should have, right, Willie? Yeah, 100%. And it's funny because I still go back and forth because, like, now I've got a bunch of ideas and I'm not making anything. And, you know, I'm, I'm shooting myself in the foot. It's like, oh, well, how can I get all of my friends that have that have progressed to come back and do something for free? But I say it myself, I'll still do it. So I know a lot right. of them still well. So <laughs> it's about the idea and the you know, I, I any anything can be great. You just you gotta start somewhere. It's gotta it'll be great for somebody at least. All right, we gotta get out of here, but I wanna talk about the like most talked about internet outrage since the last 10 fucking outrages on the internet, <laughs> the Roseanne reboot. Now, let me say this. I don't follow Roseanne on Twitter. I have heard she's fond of spreading conspiracy theories, right wing conspiracy theories and stuff. I did see her on Jimmy Kimball. I am kind of equated with her, like not equated, but familiar with her. I do kind of know what she's about. Um, I know she's very socially liberal, Jimmy Kimball had said something to her about impeaching Trump, and she's like, oh, my God, you want to be stuck with Mike Pence? So this shows you she's not, like, stuck in that, like, in molasses, in amber, in that hard right camp. I think she's just a loudmouth. I don't find her one way or the other. The show itself, what had happened was I went on a couple – before I watched the show, they had the first two episodes on demand. 
I had read a couple articles about how the show was a pro-Trump show. And, of course, Trump took credit for it, and we can get to that in a minute. <laughs> but uh, I, I found out, like, I, I'm reading these articles, and it's like, oh, it's like right-wing propaganda. And I was expecting a real hatchet job. And when I went on the comment thread, people are just like, this show is trash. Roseanne's trash. This is just like this right-wing propaganda machine that's promoting um, – one of the articles I read actually said it was toxic and dangerous – so I turned this on expecting wow. like it just to be 30 minutes of like liberals are traitors like you would see on like a fucking Alex Jones common thread yeah, or yeah. YouTube chat like but it wasn't that at all. What my problem with the show I didn't think it was right wing um, propaganda at all. I didn't think it leaned more one way or the other. I thought that both were taking jabs to the other side politically. But it was just so lazy. The writing was so lazy, and it was just so cliche. Jackie shows up where it's just an everyday life, not going to a march, wearing a nasty woman's tank top and a pink pussy hat, and she brings the Russian dressing, and she's like, "I brought the Russian dressing," and like this horrible canned laughter. And all the people in the show just seemed so uncomfortable to be there, especially John Goodman. Just seemed like the chemistry was off, and the laugh track seemed off. And all like there was so many like fake news and snowflake remarks. It just seemed like it just took every meme off the internet and tried to shove it into a reboot. And I thought the show was crap, not because I thought it was anti-liberal or pro-Trump. I just thought the show was poorly done. Do you feel the same way, guys? Um, I I thought the show was okay. I grew up watching that show, and and my my thing was, um, yeah, it. I definitely didn't feel the chemistry as much as it used to be. And I know that that could even be in, in, in the, sh in the directing and the editing, you know, when you hold on someone for too long and you see them go uncomfortable, <laughs> that's a, it's, a, you know, it's a split second of uncomfortable and not uncomfortable. But uh, I, I, it was weird because I think the point, cause they have liberal writers on the show, you know, like Whitney Cummings is on there and, and, and uh, Sarah being an executive producer. And, you know, I, I feel like the point of it is to show that, no matter what you believe, there's still family. And so I thought they did a good job of that in that they didn't make you choose a side. They just, and I, I know that it was over the top and that's what's always going to happen with a, with a sitcom. You know, it's always going to be every joke you can throw at the wall. is going to make it into the cut, you know, <laughs> but, and so in that realm, I, I don't, I don't like as many sitcoms, but um, I don't know. I, I, it's, I think I think that I could shit on it, but I but I liked it, but I I could shit on it all day also because uh, I'm very critical of everything that I watch. But in the end, yeah, I thought that they were poking fun at bad beliefs, and I, it's it's hard to do that these days. Well, and that's a good point, um, Fern. I don't know what experience you got out of it, but like I said, when I watched it, and Jackie just shows up in that whole premise is for people who yeah. haven't watched it, and we're gonna have a spoiler <laughs> here is that Jackie and Roseanne, the sisters, haven't spoken um, for a year because Jackie didn't vote for Trump. And then she shows up at the door wearing her pink pussy hat, wearing her nasty woman tank top, bringing in the Russian dressing. And, like, they had um, one of the grandkids was black. One of the grandkids was, like, gender fluid. I just felt like they tried to shove in every hot topic on the Internet, like a Josh.20 episode like trying to shove in every every kind of like cliche, political cliche into one episode. It just felt very rushed and very sloppy to me. 
Well, that's true. And I purposely held my opinion on this show for this podcast today. Yeah, you would have talked to me on the phone about it. I would not. No, I wouldn't. I would not because I I have... You wouldn't do it. Well, I have a very middle-of-the-road... Surprise, I'm middle-of-the-road. But I have a very middle-of-the-road opinion on this. Now, I don't like politics in sitcoms. I don't like politics in TV shows. If I sit down to watch a TV show, I sit down because I want to numb my brain, not because I want to further engage it. If I want to further engage it, I will watch news or I will watch, you know, whatever, but it's not going to be a sitcom or it's not going to be Real Housewives, which is my guilty smut, by the way. Um, <laughs> what I what I got from this was, number one, I'm not a big Roseanne Barr fan. I loved the show, but I'm not a big Roseanne Barr fan. However, this show, yes, Jackie showed up in a pussy hat. Yes, she showed up in the nasty woman shirt. But you know what? They started the show before Jackie even came out by bitching about health care and how they had to split up their pills. They were very equal in representing both sides. Yeah, absolutely. They and, were. you know, they were very equal, number one. Number two, while I agree that no family goes through every single social engagement that they tried to cram into that one episode. That's what I didn't like is they were trying to put too much into this one family. Um, I do. You have to understand this demographic that's watching this show is going to be middle-aged white conservatives. And what they did with this show is they presented compromise. You can look at when Roseanne went into her grandson's school and threaten the kids and basically told them, treat him nicer because I'm a white witch. You know, um, they, they showed acceptance. They showed how family still loves each other, even though they don't agree with all the social choices. They showed acceptance. And I think this show, by presenting both sides and kind of appealing to that more conservative side that's going to be the demographic, is actually going to help society in acceptance and taking the tone down versus inflaming people and being crazy. I, I really enjoyed what they did with it. They could have been so much more polarized and so much more hateful. And what they did was take all these topics and they kind of push them into the acceptance bucket and let's, let's just love each other as humans instead of judging each other based on life choices. And I loved that about this show. No, yeah. and that's a good thing. And let me throw this back over to Willie. It seemed like this show was a two-hour Where Are They Now movie. Like, this show, they were trying to write it as if it's like, the Brady Bunch, what are they doing now? Like, you didn't have to shove in. They had Becky, and then they had the old Becky. And yeah. she was going through, like, Sarah right? And it's like they tried to cram every topic in. And I've never watched Will and Grace in my life. But I happened to walk out there a couple, maybe two weeks ago, when Danielle was watching it. That was bad. Well, it was an episode where they were talking about um, the woman, the Trump supporter woman, wanted a cake, a mega cake. And then Grace thought she wanted, like, a cake for one of the guys who were gay. And that was done clever. The way they did it was clever. And I don't even watch that show. But the way they did it through Roseanne, the reboot was so hacky and rushed, I just couldn't get anything out of it. And I was trying, and after seeing all those comments, because I even asked someone on the comment thread, I said, hey, look, I haven't watched it yet. This woman was like, oh, I love everybody involved in the show except for Roseanne. So I can't watch this show now because Roseanne's in it, in it. And I was like, well, why would you not watch a show because you disagree with the politics of one person in it? You're I like know, these that, people who won't watch football 
because 10% of the people are kneeling and the other 90% agree with you. That doesn't make any sense to me. Sorry, go ahead, Willie. Yeah, you know, it, it is that idea of nationalism. Like, you can find a reason to not agree with everyone, you know? And right. So, and so, ultimately, yes, I agree with with, with everything you said. Uh, and I, I, that 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 is what I liked about it, too. Because ultimately, sure, when I'm watching what I want to watch, I'll watch sci-fi. But I do like a good family sitcom. That's what I grew up watching. And so I, I, I agree with everything you said, and I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. And it, but it is, the thing is, is I feel like, you know, when, whenever you watch a show, you're like, oh, just wait a couple episodes. Cause then, cause then they'll figure out what the show is. I feel like they they had to throw everything in to catch. Cause the, the family 20 years ago didn't have, so everything's changed so much. And I think they wanted to say, Hey, here's where we fall with everything. Here's where we are now. And I, granted, I agree with you that man that was overwhelming you know but um um, i'm glad they did it so that now they can get into what the show is which is everyday stuff and and, i hope you're right not dealing with everything all at the same time if they continue to do that i'm out you know but uh yeah i I like the old show too but i i I quit when they switched out the beckys and yep yep and they brought them both back um fern what what were you saying i mean are you kind of in the same boat because I, I don't like I didn't like like the Marvel movies were famous for like Spider-Man one would have one villain and Spider-Man Spider-Man two would have like two villains and then Spider-Man would have like a love interest. And then by Spider-Man three, there was like six villains and like you don't have to <laughs> up in the ante. Same with the X-Men by the third X-Men movie, right. there was like six X-Men. You don't have like more doesn't always like relate to better. And I was just very disappointed. One, I don't think anybody's ever talked about this Roseanne reboot, like has gone as deep into it as we have, Fern. We're (laughs) really going down the fucking Roseanne rabbit hole here. She might not even deserve this. Well, we are, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to draw the comparison and the parallel to the Will and Grace reboot and the Roseanne reboot, because those are both shows that I watched for the reboot and both shows that I really, really loved. And, the Will and Grace reboot was heavily left-leaning versus the Roseanne reboot, which I felt was more bipartisan, number one. Number two, when you start a new series, I understand this is a series that, you know, had been ongoing for, what, nine seasons, I think? Ten seasons, yep. whatever this it was. This is season ten now. I, I under- yeah, I understand, but they're not in that flow anymore. So anytime you start a new series, the cast, you can tell at the beginning of any new series, unless it's complete magic, the cast really does have to take a little while to really interact with each other and play off of each other and feel comfortable. So the uncomfortability between the actors, between Sarah and Roseanne and Dan and, you know, all that stuff, or John Goodman, I get that. That's going to take a little while to kind of get in the flow. But they kept that core family. And that's what I loved about that show because when I was a kid and watched it, it wasn't just all comedy. They were harsh. They were brash. They were, you know, they were open with each other. They disagreed. They had arguments. And you know what? That's what families do. I grew up in a family like that. We argued. We did. We were at each other's throats at times. It's not all sunshine and roses. And they kept that kind of general family feel that no matter what happened at the end of the day, you could disagree, but you could still love and accept each other. And that's what I loved about that show with Will and Grace. I did not get that same feel. It really just felt like a platform to go political 
And I didn't like that. And I don't like that about shows. I don't like that they went there politically so hard and so fast and so quick. I absolutely agree. But it was I like do like that they still Return. kept that core family feel. It was like watching Return to Gilligan's Island. It wasn't like <laughs> watching a show that they were like, hey, here's Roseanne season 10. We're going to try to get two or three seasons out of this. It was like, this is our only shot. What happened to the castaways? It just felt forced. All right, here's, let's wrap. But that's not how it felt for me, though. Yeah, me neither. Let me say one quick thing. Um, I, I find that um, of all these reboots, I the feeling that I get from all these reboots is, hey, let's make some more money. You know, uh, that, that's just how, it, yeah. you know, the, the Fuller House, everything to me just feels like, hey, we could make some more money. When I watched the Roseanne yep. reboot, I felt I didn't feel that way as much. I feel like there's I, I feel like there's a message in there saying that, like, hey, the, sh- the show used to be a, about a family dealing with everything of today and i feel like they're yeah. just continuing that and i think they're doing a, a great job of it right now i mean that, you know everything aside i i don't feel the the cash cow as i do with all of the other reboots and um um and also i'm i'm you know swaying because i think john goodman's one of the best actors on the planet i think that he can go as big as he wants, and you still believe him. I, I've always loved him. Anyways, I'm, that's it. Well, you're personally invested, too, because you were actually there at the germation of this idea during the talk. You were working on that show when Sarah Gilbert and um, John Goodman were kind of freestyling a Roseanne reboot right there on the spot, which was kind of the germation of this idea, right? Yeah, yeah. I, my day job right now is I do props on the talk, and and uh, yeah, they they did a John Goodman was on, so they did a they did a quick sketch, a, a cold open, uh, a Roseanne cold open, you know, <laughs> and and it was him and her sitting on the couch, and it was really funny. And he's like, uh, he's like, you know, what are you what are you gay or something? You know, she's like, I got something to tell you. He's like, what are you gay or something? And she, and she goes, No, I'm a talk show host. So it's just poking fun of the whole thing is very funny. And then that is why she's the executive producer. Cause she said, Hey, let's just do the show. And I, I feel like Sarah is smart enough to, to, to take that responsibility of, you know, not being overly political, but also like, Hey, here's the family in today. And so I, I'm, I, you know, I'm very oh, sw- okay, cool. Swayed also i'm glad you guys got more out of it than i did i want to finish (laughs) up with this so of course of course trump goes and does a rally i think it was in pennsylvania and instead of talking about jobs and all the stuff he's supposed to be talking about in infrastructure i think he went there for an infrastructure rally he's talking about how roseanne was such a success 18 million views because it was a pro-trump show Fern, why does Trump defy the laws of physics? Oh if we, God. if we had a, if, if we on the podcast, if we had like, let's say we had Meryl Hathaway on here, um, like three months ago, and this season is a good place. She actually has a lot more screen time. They've incorporated her character more. If we were like, yeah, that isn't because of her. It's because of us. She came on Kettle of Fish, and now all of a sudden she's on a good place more. If we did that publicly all the time, we would have no fucking guess. <laughs> why doesn't the laws of physics apply to Trump, Fern? Well, she's not the only one. She's not the only one. So, Willie, check your inbox. It's possible you're going to have the offers rolling in. <laughs> Whatever. I'm you, just kidding. You come on. This no. Shit, <laughs> the opposite's going to happen. You come on our show. 
<laughs> they're going to hear one F-bomb and they're going to be like, we're done. Yeah, we're no, I, Trump is an egomaniac. Any tiny little thing. It, this was, to me, this was not a pro-Trump show. That's the one thing I loved about it is that it did seem to be very bipartisan, represent both sides and represent understanding, acceptance and the communication that needs to happen in this country and how important family is over politics because so many people have been ostracized by their family because of politics, this show displayed that family was more important than a political opinion. But Trump will take any opportunity he can. And I know Roseanne has been a very outspoken Trump supporter, but Sarah Gilbert is not. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to take any opportunity and any thread he can pull to try to unravel the society as a whole to look at what's good for our country versus what's good for Trump. And really that's all he's been in it for to begin with is what's good for him and his ego and what can placate that. So there's that. Really? How are people not seeing that? This guy defies the laws of physics. Well, uh, I, I think that political physics, I should say, I, I think that he's such an enigma and, and, he's created this, this air that you can use any information, however you want for your own personal, anything. And, and, Oh, fake news. You can, you know, being able to shout fake news just kills everything. And, and I know that, I mean, he is a troll. He's, he's doing this on purpose. You know, he, he'll tweet all day, but he's not going to read anybody's responses. And that's why I, I used to talk shit to him every day. And then I'm like, well, he's not reading it. All I'm doing is getting his hate, his leftover hate mail. <laughs> I wouldn't um, tweet him, Willie. He might take um, he might take credit for Googie. He might be like, Googie's only successful because <laughs> I wore a cape. I have pajamas just like that in Trump Tower. That's why Googie's <laughs> successful. I wouldn't. I would distance myself from him publicly. Yeah, I know. And so I've gotten to the point now where when I do talk trash, I I try to just do it in a silly kid way. You know, it's like, why? You know, you want me to to make my famous rice? <laughs> There's other ways of getting me. To do that, you can just ask me. I mean, whatever. I'm just at this point. I'm just trolling him without just taking the negativity out of it, you know? Because that's the one thing is I, I don't want to get into negative arguments all day long. Like that's that takes me down as it does yeah. all of us. All right, so let's end on a happy note. This will probably be the longest portion of the show. Tell everybody where to find you online because you are everywhere. There's probably God, 30 places to go find you online, right? <laughs> You're all over the place, Willie. Yeah, it's funny. I should have a website that just directs you, but I don't. Um, on, on Instagram, I do a thing called Willie, Willie with a Y, Willie Bad Movies, where I make a fake movie poster every week. That's a passion I can do for free. <laughs> and what's the uh, response been like to that? Uh, I mean, I mean, people love it. People always tell me, oh, you should make this one. You should make this one. Ultimately, I'd like to get some money to make some bad i love bad movies i love things that are terrible on purpose there's a fine line though as to if it's good bad or just bad bad you know so yep you you know i didn't like sharknado or you know i think those are two over the top i thought sharknado one two three and four were okay but five started to get ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) can we mention napoleon dynamite as a good bad because napoleon dynamite is a good bad movie yeah yeah i'm so excited i didn't know that yeah, I just saw the trailer for yeah. the new Nightmare on Elm Street, too. That's you know, I, I think the difference is if you're going to do something bad on purpose, if, if you're going to parody something, if you love what you're parodying, it's always going to be great because it's inspired from a good place. You're, you're, you're laughing with your subject. If you're just mean, then, yeah, some people will like it. Some people won't. <laughs> um, that's why I can't watch SNL as much anymore because the, 
I can't, I, I can't watch political satire every week. I, I love SNL, but you know, I can't watch all the time. And let me tell yeah. you a story real quick. Um, th- we had a big explosion with our co-host. We used to do a political panel show called the ignorance equation. And it was really Fern used to spend what 30 hours a week researching this crap. And we would r- yep. two hour show every Sunday, like clockwork. And I finally, I had to end the show because it just got too toxic and hateful. And I stopped. I said, I, I got to detox. I got off Facebook. I deactivated my account for three weeks. I stopped watching the news for three weeks. But I couldn't stop learning politics because it was on South Park. It was yep. on er- every comedy <laughs> show. was making references. And I was like, well, what are they talking about with like this scandal over here? Yeah. So even if you don't watch the news, you can't escape the politics. It's all over the place. Yep. Exactly. So you just have to remember that your perspective, uh, you, you don't need to convince people of your perspective. Just live your perspective. That's a good point. All right. Where else can we find you online? And that is. Uh, go ahead, Fern. I'm sorry. I was going to say that is key. And I think if more people learned that it's not a matter of right and wrong, because we go back to fear-based um, reaction I think people come from an early age as children and it's fear-based. There's fear of repercussions if you do something wrong. There's fear of repercussions if you get answers wrong on a test. There's fear of repercussions if you do something socially wrong, detention, whatever. And those fears carry with us in adults. And as you become older, your responsibility becomes greater, but your repercussions become greater. And instead of worrying about being right or wrong, why don't we just understand the way things are? I am the person who says that the glass is neither half empty, it is not half full. It is just twice as big as it needs to be. So <laughs> let's use our logic and let's understand different beer. people's perspectives. <laughs> Unless it's beer, then it's always way too empty if it's not full to the top. <laughs> That's entirely true. But let's understand somebody else's perspective. I like to get into people's brains. And that's another thing that when you talked in your stand-up, you talked about I uh, things that I don't want to try. And travel was one of those things. You're like, I like traveling into people's brains, into their heads. And I'm the same way. I like to get into people's heads because I want to understand where they're coming from. You cannot... Um, you can't get rid of the weed if you lop it from the top. You have to get down to the root. So understanding where people's thought processes are is highly important into understanding their perspective. And then you can start to have a conversation if you understand where they come from. But a lot of people just, if your opinion is different than mine, then I completely negate you and you are of no value to me. I, I'm not a big waste of air, waste of space person, although I do have a few people that I do believe are a waste of space that they, they're exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide is a waste. But it's very few and far between. So I think if we could understand each other and there are thought processes and come to some sort of compromise or some sort of understanding, that's when change can start to happen and when lives start to get better, when you can accept that you're not 100% right or 100% wrong. And I'm sorry, I went down that philosophical rabbit hole. I do apologize, but it's kind of how I feel. This, no, that, that, that's really great. I, I, I think that you, both of you, have a great perspective on things. And not to say, sure, I agree with most of your things, but that's not why I like you. <laughs> you know, if, if you thought differently, I still might like you. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just, I want to hear everything. That, that, that's great. That's how I feel, too. It's like, I want to know your brain so I can know how to play with you. 
That's yeah, we're curious cats, and I think you should. <laughs> as soon as you stop being curious, I think it's game over in life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I um, let's see on a, on a, every platform, I'm robotic Willie because I I like to dance like the robot. I used to dance in my stand up like a robot. I don't don't know if I'm still doing that or not. Uh, Willie with a Y. Um, um, our podcast, Real Life Sci-Fi. Listen, we just—it's like the late night bar conversation. We get drunk and talk about conspiracies. I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. And my partner Wade—we've known each other since high school, so we can completely disagree and still talk. <laughs> um, we're so on, much fun. Yeah, we're and on I gotta Facebook. say, yeah. I love that podcast. And I'm not just saying that. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Any guests we have, because I'm a studious little punk rocker, I'll listen to a couple <laughs> podcast episodes. And I was sitting there listening to it, and Dee, me and Dee are together, she was sitting on the other couch, and she's like, wow, I really like this. I usually don't listen. I tune out of the podcast you listen to. But Dee, you actually really like the podcast, and you're like, I'm really entertained. How do we get to this level? Yep. Yeah, it was really good. And I told Nick, I said, wait a minute, they're all in the same room, aren't they? Yeah, we're never all in the same room. Maybe we need to try yeah. that. We need you know, to all move to the same city. Yeah, we've done one Skype episode and it just didn't, I, I just, we just couldn't connect to it. It's I mean, hard. We, but, but that limits our guests. You know what I mean? We book, we usually book like the, the week of. Uh, and so everyone feels like somebody backed out and they're filling somebody else's shoes. It's kind of, it's just we are schedules. We just can't. <laughs> All right, we got. Well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, anytime you want to talk paranormal, conspiracy theory, ghosts, aliens, anything like that, I'm your girl. I totally love this podcast, and I would absolutely, if if we can do a call in, I would love to talk to you guys about it because I totally yeah. and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great. We've got to re- thank you. We've got to reach out. We've got to do it. We should do. We should have you guys all on us. We should have your show on our show. <laughs> a show within a show. Wheels yeah. within wheels within wheels. So Inception. All right, yeah, we got to get out. Yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just saying. I'd love to have you all on as a group or individually. I, in, in the same. That that's just the thing. I can talk to anybody. Uh, even if even if you hate me, <laughs> go on. Well, that's what we should all be doing, though, right? Is talking to each other. I think the big tragedy is one: we've all lost our sense of humor. And God, oh my God, I'm sorry for keeping you late, but I've got to make this last point. I was watching a match game the other day from the '70s, Match Game '74, and I love G. Ray, Gene Rayburn. I love Charles Nelson Reilly, Brett yeah. Summers, all those cats on that show. Betty White, and I'm watching them. I'm like. Gene Rayburn walks up to this girl. She says some smart, one of the panel celebrities. He undoes like her spaghetti string on her top and her top almost falls down. Charles Nelson Riley's smoking a fucking pipe. You could tell they're all drunk. He calls one of the contestants a loony bird. And I'm like, dude, if this came on today, this would they would be sued and, and off the air before the first commercial break. And Rayburn would be getting dragged down in handcuffs. Like, yeah. we've lost our fucking sense of humor in this country, and we've lost our ability to talk to each other unless we're all on the exact same page on everything. And it's sad. It makes me sad being 46 years old and seeing what's yeah. become of us. And and the way to drop that is to just for, forget about, you know, you got to just, you really have to escape all of the things that people believe and just go have fun. Yes, and you are kind of like the epitome of fun. And that's why I escape to the Googie videos and do everything you do when I was like, okay, I'm burned out on politics. If I'm not calling Fern, I'm going on fun videos and watching that. So what you do, you're doing a great service, I think. And I well, think th- we should all be doing you. that. 
All right. Um, anywhere else you want to tell people where to reach you? Because we got to get out of here. No, yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, everywhere I'm Robotic Willie. Real Life Sci-Fi is on all the podcast apps. And you guys, thank you so much. This was this was great. Um, yeah, and yeah. thank you. I'm actually you brought me down from a dander level purple to like a dander level magenta. <laughs> I feel a lot better now. I have to thank you for that. I'm, I actually have a smile on my face. I want to go walk the dog and be happy. Oh, I've got one last thing to say. Please, Luca Brazzi. Peeps with the fishes. Okay.